This is the Sports and Entertainment Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration only on market scale. It's not as traditional or pigeonholed as you might have seen. You're seeing a real diversification across genres and across platforms. Building your brand is not around your product, so your team and your players, but you build your brand around truly this experience and this community and the team on a greater scale. You know, the team of the past 30 years. We aren't in the baseball business. We are in the entertainment business, the experience business, and most importantly, the people business. The game's about to start. Let's make some noise. All right, welcome to this episode of the Market Scale Sports and Entertainment Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the show. It's just a great time of year to be a sports fan. It's a great time of year to be hosting this podcast, really. It's just so much going on, whether it's the NFL playoffs, you got college bowl season, you got NBA, NHL, so much stuff just going on in the world of sports, and it's just awesome to be able to sit here and talk about it with you. We've got a great show coming up for you today. Coming up, we're going to revisit a conversation that our correspondent Sam Kingma had with Andy Barr of Innovate Performance. Now, Barr had designs on being a star soccer player before a devastating injury robbed him of what could have been as far as his career goes. And now he's working as a physical therapist and high-intensity trainer, helping other athletes stay in shape and achieve their dreams. And so we're going to revisit that conversation with Barr and learn more about what he's doing these days. We're also going to be talking to Simon Perryman, the president and founder at FanWide. And what they've done is create a digital platform for fan clubs that helps displaced sports fans find a local game-watching party at a sports bar for any team in any city. So it's really a great idea bringing people together over the common bond of sports and creating a platform for them to be able to do that. So what they have is the world's largest fan club database, according to Simon, and they use that to connect bars to fan clubs to sports fans. Uh, So it's a really great conversation. I think you're really going to enjoy it and enjoy just this overall concept of bringing people together over that common bond of sports. But before we get to that, I want to highlight something that caught my eye on Twitter on Wednesday morning. The NFL released their viewership numbers from the 2018 regular season. And despite a lot of caterwauling from various corners of the media world, a lot of it is slightly political, slightly too very political in nature. Reports of the NFL's demise as a gargantuan figure in the American entertainment landscape have been uh, pretty greatly exaggerated. For instance, of the 50 most-watched television broadcasts during the months when the season was taking place, during the NFL's regular season, 46 of them were NFL games. Just think about that for a second. Of the 50 most-watched television shows during the months where the NFL season was taking place, 46 of them were NFL games. It means they were blowing you know, uh, everything out of the water from This Is Us to the other TV shows that everyone raved about for the uh, entire fall season. The NFL was just blasting everything out of the water when it came to most-watched programs. Viewership was up 5% overall, while the average viewership for games reached 15.8 million per game. The most watched game over the course of the season was when Dallas played Washington on Thanksgiving Day. That reached 30 and a half million viewers. So I say all this to say that the idea that the NFL was in decline was nothing more than wishful thinking on the part of certain individuals that had a vested interest maybe in seeing it decline, either for political reasons or business reasons, something along those lines. But that's clearly not happening. It's still king in terms of viewers. Now, the NFL definitely still has its issues to sort out, of course. Uh, Concussions and head injuries are still a big question for the 
league moving forward that they need to solve. You need to solve the overall safety of the game because we've seen youth participation in the sport start to drop quite a bit. Also, attendance has been down. So a big challenge for the league moving forward is going to be how to get fans off their couches and actually back out to the stadium. So I'm going to be interested in seeing over the next year to several years, just how exactly the league decides to uh, utilize maybe more technology in their stadiums. Can they create an AR or VR atmosphere uh, where people can enjoy the game in different ways while being out at the stadium? Can the league incentivize their fans to get back out to stadiums? I'll be curious to see if that is the case. But for now, I don't think there's any disputing the NFL is king in terms of viewers in the United States. All right, now that I've got that off my chest, we're going to get to that interview that Sam Kingma, our correspondent here at MarketScale, had with Andy Barr of Innovate Performance, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. Coming up next on the MarketScale Sports and Entertainment Podcast. Barr used to be a professional soccer player until a horrible injury ended his career. Currently, he works as a physical therapist and high-intensive trainer, helping other athletes stay in shape and achieve their dreams. Today, Andy joins us to discuss the PT field, the problems with sports science, as well as upcoming tech that will change physical therapy. How you doing, Andy? I'm doing great, thanks. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. I wanted to start this interview asking, what exactly is the work you do at Innovate Performance? Um, so, my work is to really and optimize the, the health and longevity of athletes of all uh, levels, uh, but specifically uh, elite athletes is most of the experience that I have and clientele that I work with. So my background is uh, physical therapy and high performance training, and um, I specialize in uh, reducing athlete injury risk and uh, development of uh, physical performance. So I uh, consult with different teams and uh, work with uh, a lot of elite athletes, mainly in um, the NBA and also uh, a lot of soccer athletes too from over from Europe. And how'd you get involved with working in physical therapy? Uh, well, I started as a, a professional soccer player in England and I got injured and uh, I wanted to stay involved in sport and help athletes um, in uh, trying to avoid the things and mistakes that I did and try and help them, uh, you know, stay healthy. And I, so I, I went to physio school uh, as soon as I got injured and um did that for three years uh, in England and I was fortunate to get a job with a professional soccer team straight out of of college uh, then I did a master's in sports science and when I uh, moved over to the US I did my doctorate in physical therapy so um, it was more spurred by me wanting to stay involved with sport and work with athletes and you know being the on the medical side to you know use my uh, knowledge of the game but also um, you know apply that to uh, physical therapy and physiotherapy. Now, you mentioned that not only do you do physical therapy, but you also do high performance training. Uh, what are some of the major differences between those two things? Uh, well, physical therapy is often relates to the medical side where you are um, either treating or rehabilitating an injury. So someone might have um, injured a certain area of the body, which you're providing a rehabilitation um, assistance with uh, to try and get them fully recovered so they are in you know optimal health to return to play uh, the sport of choice whereas high performance training is looking at um, what the the players demands of their sport are and then uh, formulating a program that uh, allows them to develop them physically 
uh, as a as a player within their sport. So it's more about player development, um, improving strength, flexibility, body awareness, uh, fitness specific to the sport, um, and just more durability so they they can um, you know endure uh, the the different demands of the sport and also stay healthier for longer and fulfill their career potential. So it's kind of like a personal trainer for high performance uh, training? Yeah, like personal training, but uh, it's more related to uh, performance need of the sport. Personal training is usually relates to, you know, someone's um, cosmetic needs, so to speak. Whereas often when you're doing high performance training, you're working with athletes who cosmetically look great usually, but they need to um, be capable of coping with the demands of their sport specifically. So you look at what the sport is, what the reference is to that sport, what the demands are, what the specific actions are of that sport, and then how do you develop a program to that? So you apply certain uh, assessments and tests which identify deficits, and then those deficits um, guide the programming, which then um, allows for reassessment to, to see whether there's progress. Um, so it's a bit more of a scientific approach which relates to uh, the demands of the game as opposed to just like get, working somebody out. And, you know, anybody can really like work somebody out. But if you've got, if you're um, skilled in your area, then you, you should have a, a, a full assessment of the needs of that person um, to then, you know, develop an optimal program that's individualized for their needs. And it's, you know, it's, it's especially essential when you're working with athletes because every athlete's needs are different. They've had different injuries in their past, which um, influence how you manage them. Uh, going forward, um, you know, when they play in different positions, you need to tailor their programming towards that. Um, so there's lots of different facets of of what you should do when you work with an athlete, as opposed to just comparing it to personal training. Have you noticed any interesting or frightening trends in your field in the last like five years or so? I think there's a big surge of uh, what people are referring to as sports science, um, and I think you know, and technology. Like, there's just been so much technology in sports science that is coming on the scene, which I think is only going to get, um, you know, technology is just going to get more and more advanced and uh, more and more um, involved. The, the challenges, the putting everything into context and within the right reference of the sport itself. So um, often technology uh, and sports science comes from more of a generic uh, perspective. It's looking at sport and it's, you know, the technology is developed by um, people that are really tech savvy as opposed to coming from a practitioner perspective or uh, sports centric. And there's often, um, you know, things are taken out of context and numbers are driving practice as opposed to the sport itself and the culture driving the practices, best practice, and then technology and sports science fitted in to support that. So I think, um, you know, there's a great, um, great potential with what, what's coming into the, into the, the field of um, sport and strength and conditioning and physical therapy, but the, the, the practitioner needs to catch up with the, the rate of which the, the sports science and technology is um, emerging. Now you mentioned uh, recent technologies. Uh, can you kind of expand on some of those that have like fundamentally changed or improved just sports therapy and training? Yeah, I think um, some of the wearable technologies uh, as, a, as a starting point, um, you know, that gives really good insights into different types of uh, loads that the players are exposed to uh, in terms of accelerations and decelerations and distance covered and um, high speed running, that type of stuff. So you can track uh, the outputs and the physical outputs that the player is 
uh, performing during uh, practice so we can quantify what they're doing from an output perspective but um, often uh, the cognitive aspect of playing isn't taken into consideration when you solely focus on uh, physical outputs and you know when you're playing sport uh, sports about communication uh, decision making executing your skills and then it's about physical outputs and the the quantity of those actions that, that the athletes performing so um, and that was hence to my example earlier on it's it's really important to you know appreciate what the text provided and the numbers that are being delivered and you're able to, to gain from that but it's about putting it into context and understanding well that's just outputs it's not actually decision making and communication and, and the quality of the actions that are taken into consideration when we can't really measure them um, uh, quite yet because you know the technology isn't there for that but the coach's eye is the most important thing in those situations but the numbers should be there to support what the coach essentially is uh, is doing um, but yeah that's an example of, of what what's um, really uh, emerged in, in in terms of uh, the technology that's out there right now especially wearable tech now you keep bringing up context in regards to sports science do you believe that context is the biggest challenge that you're working with in your industry right now uh yeah it can be yeah i think um often you see things taken in isolation and especially with the area that i uh, specialize in which is injury risk reduction player development um, there's so many uh facets to to that there's so many variables that influence injury and there's so many facets that influence performance so you can't just isolate one area with one piece of technology and you know one um uh, selection of data points You've, it's got to be a multitude of different data sets over a longitudinal period of time which uh, allows you to um, you know make better decisions and track progress and look at fluctuations within context of each other um, so for instance you know when you when you're performing at the highest level there's many different things that will influence um, somebody's performance not just their ability uh, from a skill perspective you know how well they've slept the night before what their energy levels are is, is essential and energy is the biggest thing to executing your skills so there's many things that can influence your energy and things that you can track such as sleep um, or nutrition or training load or levels of emotional stress cognitive stress all these factors fit into how well somebody performs uh, day in day out and and the, and also the uh, uh, chances of injury so if you're looking at one thing in isolation then you could be missing a big piece of the puzzle and your um, decision making from that point uh, you know you could be making interventions or uh, diagnoses based off of uh, things that are just in isolation and not within the context of everything else that's going on but if you can apply your decisions within the context of multitudes of different types of data that um, are relevant to the athlete then you can be more effective and make better decisions. And I think that's the direction that things are going. What do you see on the horizon for sports therapy? Uh, for sports therapy, um, I think, again, more individualized approaches uh, for each person, uh, more personalized approaches, uh, more understanding from a, a holistic perspective, taking more of the, the human approach rather than just looking at things as a joint by joint uh, basis. I think in the future we're, we're going to be 
um, more cognizant of of the person as a whole and how the emotional state influences the experience of pain and and their ability to recover from injury. So having having greater uh, appreciation of that from a sports therapy perspective is you know I think the the way that it's going right now uh, and what's on the horizon in the future. And I think being able to utilize certain texts to help tech to guide um, those decisions and understanding um, when somebody's uh, stress levels are higher than they necessarily need to be and how that's inhibiting um, their ability to recover is, uh, is going to be something that is going to be used more frequently, I think, going forward. And that, that gives a, a bigger picture in terms of how the body is healing in itself. So being more holistic in their approach by utilizing tech that we can put into context of, the, of that, that person to make a personalized program and not just focusing on, um, you know, in isolation as to what the, from a musculoskeletal or joint perspective, it's more of a um, holistic approach to, to recovery. And I got one more question for you before we end this interview, and it's what inspires you to do this kind of work? I just, uh, what inspires me is seeing people uh, achieve their goals and um, be able to, you know, accomplish the things that they love to do. And uh, that, that was one of the things that I, I wasn't able to do with my soccer career. So what inspires me now is just being able to help athletes uh, avoid uh, injury and stay healthy and just uh, achieve the things that they want to achieve and be able to apply my experience in uh, injury risk reduction, um, utilizing my, my technology that I use to uh, assess uh, potential deficits in biomechanics and then um, automate potential um, areas for specific development. That And then applying that and just seeing the 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 outcome and you know this this off this last summer um I've, I've saw that multiple times where we have players that um hadn't a couple of players i were with hadn't um played for for an extensive period of time but then um they really wanted to you know uh, do everything they can to get back so we did a full biomechanical screen and um were able to provide some really good insights into the things that they need to work on and develop and uh, just being objective throughout the programming um, was really powerful because it allowed them to see from a, a data perspective uh, the things that they needed to work on. And if they um, gravitated away from the program, the data and the, the tech that we were using was able to show them what they needed to, to pull back in and, and recover more in certain instances. And um, the results were phenomenal. And that just really inspires me, just seeing how um, how impactful it can be when you bring together um, uh, experience and um, and understanding of 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 context, and then allow tech to, to help guide that process. When it all comes together, it's it's really inspiring, and um, you know I'm I'm excited to see where you know this more and more in the future.
All right. Thank you again to Sam Kingman for that conversation with Andy Barr of Innovate Performance. I really enjoyed getting that insight, just hearing how he's working now to help athletes nowadays stay as healthy as they possibly can be and to achieve their dreams now uh, with him having not been able to achieve some of the things that he wanted to do in his career because of injury. So now he's on the other side of things, making sure that other people are going to be able to chase their dreams as long as possible. All right. Coming up next is going to be my conversation with Simon Perryman. And we're going to talk about what he's created at FanWide. And here's why I think it's a really great idea and something that I'm really excited about. Imagine you've just moved to a new city and you're a fan of teams that are all thousands of miles away now. Let's say you've moved from LA to New York or something like that. What they've done at FanWide is create a database and basically a platform for you to be able to find fans of the teams that you cheer for and find where they like to watch games and have game watching parties and then connects you with those fans. So then you can go and meet people that cheer for the same teams that you cheer for and really bond over the common uh, bond of sports. So it's something that I think is a really great idea. Brings people together, which I'm really passionate about as well. And it brings them together over something that I, I really love and enjoy, which is sports. So I think this is a great idea by Simon and the people at FanWide. And I think you're really going to enjoy this interview coming up next on the Market Scale Sports and Entertainment. Podcast. All right, joining me now on the Market Scale Sports and Entertainment Podcast is Simon Perryman. He's the president and founder at FanWide. Simon, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, sir. Thanks for having me on the show, Tyler. How's your day going? It's going great. How are you doing today? Doing well. We're uh, hitting the holiday time frame. So for people in the sports industry, it's amazing. You know, we've got the NFL playoffs coming up, the college ball season happening. Every sport's in full swing. So it's a great time to be a sports fan. You're absolutely right about that. As a, as a massive sports fan myself, this is a this is a pretty good time. There are a couple of good times around the year. Like I really like October, where you have uh, college football, pro football, Major League Baseball playoffs. Uh, you know, you got NBA kicking off. Like a lot of great stuff all going on. And then this is another one of those times of year where everything is happening and and it's good stuff. And you get the time off work, right? So you get to actually enjoy exactly. it, right? <laughs> exactly. That's uh, that's an added benefit of it. Uh, so we're, we're talking about sports because you work and uh, you, you, you founded a, a company called FanWide. And so explain to us a little bit more about what FanWide does and what do you do there? So FanWide's based out of Seattle. We're about two and a half years old and we've developed the world's largest fan club network. So our whole goal is connecting remote fans with a local fan club for every team in every city. So I'll tell you a little bit about my background and inspiration, but I was born in England. I grew up in New Jersey, went to college in the South at Duke. And I moved out to Seattle about 12 years ago when I started working at Microsoft. And for me, sports has been a great way to connect with people. You know, if you see somebody wearing your favorite team's jersey across, you know, on the street, you want to immediately become friends with them. And so sports has just always been a great way for me to build friendships, have those same shared experiences, meet people with similar backgrounds or used to live in the same place. And I saw that it was a really fragmented ecosystem. Trying to find a fan club, you might have to go on an alumni site or Facebook or meetup.com or one of these other group pages. 
And so what we wanted to do was just democratize it, build a digital platform to connect people with their favorite fan clubs wherever they live or wherever they travel. And that, that, I think your background really does play into it because being somebody that you know has lived in a number of different spots, surely you've kind of picked up some fandom along the way, whether it's you know a soccer team across the, across the pond that you uh, cheered for as a kid or something along those lines. That background really plays into a lot of what you do now, which is kind of uh, a fun personal story to add into the business that you're running. Absolutely. You know, sports is just one of those things that's a game changer for people, right? You can be of a different country, speak a different language, different gender, ethnicity. It doesn't matter if you're fans of the same sports team, you can become friends. And so what we tried to do when we first started FanWide was just pull together all this information from dozens of different pages, different sites. And so we've built what we believe is the world's largest fan club database. And so you can visit FanWide.com. Tell us what your favorite team is, and we show you where the local meetup is. And we've got about uh, almost 13,000 fan clubs in our network right now for all the pro sports, Division One college, international soccer. And we're even starting to expand into things like esports and, uh, you know, some of those other uh, fringe sports categories. That's really, really cool. I, I, I love hearing about that. And as a, as a big sports fan, I think that that is uh, really, really awesome. So uh, surely there's some sort of uh, partnership then that you have with bars or restaurants or, you know, the place where you're hosting these events, right? How do you form those partnerships with those, uh, those locations? Well, you're exactly right. Most of these viewing party events, which is what really brings the sports fans together, we always do those at public venues, usually sports bars and restaurants. So we have about 10,000 sports bars in our network that are regularly hosting these events. And so what we try to do is, um, you know, we want to be open. Um, we want to make it easy to find the data. So whether the sports bar has officially joined our network or not, we still list them. We still provide information about them so that we can provide the most accurate data for our users. Now, with these sports bars, what we do is um, if they're already hosting a fan club, we add them to our site for free. Again, we want to make it easy for the sports fans. But one of the things we do in our business as well is we also find opportunities where there's groups of sports fans who are looking for a new home, and we can go help make that happen. We basically play matchmaker between groups of fans and sports bars. Think of it almost like Uber, right? Uber matches people, uh, riders with cars, we match sports fans with bars. So we're trying to provide that similar digital platform, making it easy to always go find a home, find your favorite team. How can a team or an organization benefit from from what you're doing? Ha- have you had any experiences where a team has said, "Oh, hey, you know, there's a I don't know, there, there's a there's a fan watch party here. Let's send some promotional items or something along those lines." Have you have you had any experiences like that yet, where you you get to partner kind of alongside a team or an organization? We have. We've worked with a number of teams, um, a lot of international soccer clubs who are looking to develop their fan base in the U.S as well as a lot of leagues and teams over here, and even college alumni associations. What we're able to do with our network is, again, connect these people with the places. So we've had organizations such as the Big Three Basketball League, helping them go and set up their watch parties and their fan engagement events as they travel the country. Uh, We've worked with some of the top soccer clubs from Europe, giving them data about where their fans are located so that as they plan their international road tours in the U.S. in the summer, we can help them with the planning and optimize cities where they're going to be able to maximize ticket sales. Uh, We've worked with the University of South Carolina as an example. They said, hey, we have a lot of fans over on the West Coast in these cities. Can you go and help us set up alumni clubs? And so what we were able to do is through this massive network that we have, with all of these bars who are already hosting watch parties for some other team, we know that they're good candidates to host 
additional teams, new watch partners. And so whenever we have an opportunity, whether that's a team, an organization, a group of fans, an alumni network, and they say, hey, we want to come to the event. We want you to organize the events. We're able to do that pretty effectively through this network, which we've already developed. So let, let's say I'm a, uh, a bar owner and I, you know, I, I went to Michigan University or something like that, you know, and I would like to host a, a Michigan game watching party, uh, let's say for Michigan's college football bowl game that's coming up. What's the process that I would go through to connect with FanWide and then uh, be able to, to kind of publicize and, and, and put it out there that, hey, I'm hosting a game watching party for Michigan football fans in Dallas. So if they're already hosting viewing parties for a group, um, you know, five, 10 more fans than that, that the sports bars are already regularly doing, we want them to contact us so we know about it. We list them on the website. Now, if they're looking to develop a brand new fan club, we actually have a slightly different process, whether that's working with an NCAA group or whether that's working with a professional team. Now, if you're working with NCAA and you say, hey, I want to go set up a new alumni association chapter, we actually have to uh, engage with the alumni association themselves because we want to have their blessing. We want to have their endorsement. And since they already have this contact list with all of their Michigan fans living in Dallas, it's uh, a lot easier to partner with them and get their blessing. Now, when we're working with the professional teams, there's really no central organization for almost all of the professional clubs. So if we have a group of fans, we have a sports bar that wants to host them and guarantees that they'll put on the sound, guarantees that they have the channel and availability. We could go well with them to go find the fans. And one of the things that's been great about things such as Facebook is uh, and using sports as our key demographic is people are very open and honest about what their favorite sports teams are. So we're able to do post events on Facebook. We're able to have highly targeted marketing for fans of Michigan who live within Dallas. And so we're able to generate those events, create them organically as well. So it feels like what a, an important aspect of what of what you're doing and what fandom is just in general. It's just belonging to that larger group. And that feels like a really big part uh, of FanWide. Is that kind of at the heart of everything you do, ensuring that, that fans are able to connect with that larger group that, you know, that, that, that is essential to sports, really? It is. You know, what we try to differentiate ourselves with, instead of just trying to build up a network with millions of individual fans, we're really focused on the fan clubs. And so what we're able to do is, you know, have this massive network of fan clubs, create new fan clubs, uh, provide best practices for individuals or sports bars that are trying to develop new fan clubs. And as part of that whole ecosystem, what we've realized is, you know, these fan clubs, they have a lot of value to the teams and also to sponsors. And so essentially, part of our business model is building up this ecosystem of help uh, identifying these individual fans, having them join a fan club, bringing them together at these events, but also bringing sponsors to the events as well. So you asked earlier about, you know, do the team send merchandise or swag or apparel? We do that with some of the teams and also with some of the sponsors who are looking to engage these fan clubs. Uh, what we found is that a lot of uh, team sponsors they, when they pay for their big sponsorship deals with the teams, they're always looking for new avenues to go and engage those fans, new channels. And what we're able to do is provide them, instead of just giving them, you know, 80,000 people in a stadium for eight football games a season, we can give them access to 8 million fans at 800 bars around the country for all 16 games of the season. 
So what we kind of differentiated ourselves in is we're not just a digital platform. We're not just in person at the stadium, but we're giving all of these teams and organizations the ability to connect with all of their remote fans in all these different physical locations around the country. Yeah, that's absolutely huge. That's uh, like that, that's exponential growth over what they see of just what they're in the stadium. So that's that's huge. Um, what 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 do you feel like is the next step as you look forward? How does Fanwide continue to grow and get bigger and become more and more of a uh, of a staple amongst sports fans? Well, we are we recently announced a partnership with an organization known as FanChain, and we're going to be adding their technology to our platform that allows us to reward fans every time they watch a game. So what FanChain is, FanChain is a blockchain-backed cryptocurrency organization. Um, what they are, uh, they're backed by the NFL Players Association, WNBA Players Association, uh, David Stern, the former NBA commissioner, Jim Boheim, former uh, head basketball coach of Syracuse, Vernon Davis, Steve Smith, all of these top names across all the major sports. And what this whole ecosystem is trying to do is provide a currency, a digital currency, for sports fans to reward them for engaging, which they can then redeem on merchandise, game experiences, prizes, other fan-related activities. And so the way this is going to work uh, in early 2019, once we go live with the platform, is you come to a fan-wide event and check in, you earn points, you can then go spend those points on your tickets or apparel or even food and drink at the bar in the future. So we're basically rewarding people for going to the games and for being fans. That's awesome. I, I, I can't think of too many things better than being rewarded for, for watching games, you know. If you're doing it anyway, right? What, might exactly. as well get some free beer or some free swag out of it. Exactly. See, I'm, I'm, I'm into that. Now, I, I don't want to assume here, Simon, but I, I, know that you, uh, I know that you're a Duke guy. Uh, I, I'm assuming that you're liking the direction of things for uh, the Duke basketball team this year. It is an exciting year for us, that's for sure. So, as, yeah, <laughs> as I mentioned, right, I went to Duke as an undergrad. And, in fact, we were inspired to launch FanWide because of our passion for watching Duke basketball and making that easy. Uh, several of my other co-founders are from Duke. Uh, but, yeah, it is one heck of a year. You know, we got three of the top five best players in the country. Uh, we should go pretty deep into the draft, and uh, I definitely, uh, you know, got my uh, calendar blocked off for that final four weekend in Minneapolis, where I'll hopefully be there live watching us win the title. Oh, see, that's that's great, and you can, uh, and you'll be able to earn rewards because it'll be 2019, so you'll be earning earning there rewards on Fanwide <laughs> just for uh, just for watching your uh, Duke Blue Devils go Watch deep into Duke that. Watch my Duke game, check yes. in, get some Duke swag. Exactly, exactly, man. That sounds uh, that sounds pretty ideal to me. That's Simon Perryman. He's the president and founder at Fanwide. Simon, thank you so much for joining me on the Market Scale Sports and Entertainment Podcast. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you again to Simon Perryman for joining me here on the podcast today. I really enjoyed getting to learn more about that idea of what FanWide is doing. Uh, it really excites me, actually. I, I, I like the idea of people bonding and getting together over uh, the common love of sports. Uh, that's something that uh, that really resonates with me. So good work there by the people at FanWide and for Simon Perryman as well. Thank you so much to uh, everyone that's been a part of making this episode happen. That is all we have time for today. Thank you to Sam Kingma, our correspondent here at MarketScale, for having that conversation with Andy Barr of Innovate Performance. Really enjoyed getting that insight as well on the podcast. Thank you to everyone who has listened to this episode. And again, if you like this episode, we have a lot more content just like this over at MarketScale.com. You can find more podcasts 
podcasts and more written content as well uh, from other thought leaders in the industry. It's really great stuff that we got there housed at the website. You can also make sure to get every uh, podcast episode as it comes out by hitting subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. That way you can uh, be sure you stay up to date with what's going on in the world of podcasts here at MarketScale. Thank you again for listening to this episode. We will be back next week with another episode of the MarketScale Sports and Entertainment Podcast. But until then, I've been your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening.